kids, you can go. Love all you kids. I had somebody come up to me before service and say, hey, I know my memory verse, and that's why I called him beforehand. Wow. I hope none of you feel like you've lost your chance. There will be another time next week. I think next week I might not just ask for what the memory verse is, but I'm going to ask for what it means. <laughs> that would be a good thing. Yeah. Bye, honey. Okay, Proverbs 9. Today's the ninth. Wisdom will add years to your life. Wow, simple. Wow, okay. By the way, wisdom is not just having knowledge. It's the proper application of the knowledge, right? So Lord, as we dive into your word today, I want to thank you that your spirit's already at work here, God, that, um, that you put something upon Eric's heart, a simple chorus, and you put something on Isaac's heart, a confirmation and a promise from your word. And Lord, in the continuity that I see here, I just see you at work. So I ask God for the release of the supernatural today. Lord, that through just these few moments together in your word, you would have your way in the hearts of your sons and your daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So last week we started um, a series on character. And um, um, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to to listen to the message, and you don't have to actually sign up for a CD. We uh, we started, we launched a new website this week with a new web address, and um, it's nice and clean, and you'll like it. We'll be adding information as time goes on. It's uh, the address is crossroadsfoursquare.net. Did you catch that emphasis? Dot net yes. because it's not dot org, and it's all letters. There's no numbers. There's no umlauts. No uh, parentheses. No stand on your heads. Crossroadsfoursquare.net, and um, so you can listen to the messages if you happen to miss one there, or you can actually download it as well. Either way, and it's a nice, clean site, and it's got a picture of our of our campus, and there's other stuff on there. We'll we'll, we'll want you to check in on that occasionally to keep up with what's going on. Anyway, we started last week talking about character. And um, I made these outrageous comments to you that it's the character we decided that it's the right, it's the will to do what is right as God views right, no matter what the cost. That's how we define character, to do the right thing, basically. And um, we talked about human nature. We want everybody around us to have it. We want them all to behave, their behavior to show it all the time. The problem is that we're not willing to pay the price personally to get it but we want people around us to, to, uh, to have it. And we talked about the fact that our culture honors two things in particular more than character. It honors achievement and fulfillment. But when you put those things ahead of character, things get upside down. Right becomes wrong, wrong becomes right. And we get into these problems with relationships because character is the oil of relationship. Without that oil, without character, you get people who were made to go with each other and instead of going with each other, well, they tend to tear each other apart. And then we see all kinds of fractured relationships, which is what we see in the world around us. The world says there's things more important than character, and the result is people tear each other up. I'll bet you've seen somebody that's been torn up before, or maybe you've been torn up before. So we also said we're going to own two things, and we'll talk about this as time goes on. I think the Lord will, will testify this to your heart. There's a standard of right and wrong that stands outside of you and me and that God holds us accountable to that. And then I gave you a simple prayer. Lord, give me the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do what's right. So today we're going to move on now and talk about how God sees character and how he wants to go about building that character in us. And I want to just relax. God, I want you to relax right now. 
even though we're on a series about character, I want you to know I'm not going to thump you with my Bible. This is not going to be a series of Sundays where I give you lists of what you should do and what you shouldn't do and what you should be and what you shouldn't be. Uh, That's not what this is going to be about. We're going to talk about this from a completely different perspective, and I think you're going to see something fresh and new, and hopefully um, the Lord's going to do something new. Uh, You know, Lisa and I have always got projects going on. Um, Our latest one is to take... Um, a, a laundry room, which was, you know, we've been in our house for 20 years or so, and I think we've pretty much remodeled it from one end to the other, and we're actually now starting up again on the part we started with 20 years ago, because it, 20 years, anyway, you, you know the deal. So I, I, I like to draw things out in advance and make a plan, and I'm kind of an experimenter. I don't mind taking a big chance. I'm not the kind of guy to just to get out my checkbook and hire somebody to come in and remodel a laundry room. Um, I, I save that for like plumbing because you know, I've, I've told you about plumbing is my nemesis. It makes me cuss, and that's not a good quality. It's just I just so I, and a laundry room has some plumbing in it. But I got some help on that, um, but but I'm willing to try things. I figure, you know, I can buy the stuff, and if I break it half the time, the I can buy it new. I mean, I can I'll work through a couple of mistakes, and I'll get to the end result, and I'll be happy. But I've still saved some money. It just you know, my, my knuckles might be a little bit bloody in the end, but it's okay. I don't mind doing that. So we get to this project, and I'm the kind of guy that says, okay, well, I'm going to draw it out, and I measure it all out, and I kind of come up with some plans. And I do have one of my capabilities is to see things okay. I can take something in two dimensions and see, I think, what it'll look like in three dimensions, and I can kind of view how things will work out. Um, some of us can do that better than others. I think I get to thank for that um, a seventh-grade drafting class maybe. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it never works out quite perfectly. We just got to the point this last week where, okay, it's time to put the cabinet doors on the cabinets. And um, listen, I'm not, I'm not like this master craftsman with wood, okay? But I can follow the instructions. I told you last week I went to Ikea and I bought some cabinets. And so um, I'm putting the, the cabinet doors on, and I'm like things symmetrical, and I'm drilled all the holes in the fronts of the cabinets to put the handles on because they don't come with pre-drilled holes. So if you measure them very carefully, things will look good, right? Well, we, we picked these really cool, with these really cool um, handles that are about this wide, and on these 12-inch wide doors, some of you are already smirking because you know this is going to be trouble. And so I put the first one on. I drilled all the holes. I put them all on. They're all even. They're all symmetrical. They look really good. And, but they're not on the cabinets yet. So I installed the first one on the cabinet. Now, I go right to the very limit. The width of this room... Let's put it this way. I got in these three 24-inch wide cabinets in the space that I could... One side is a wall, the other side is the washer and the dryer, which stack, and that's it. And there was this much space left over. I mean, no joke. If I had mismeasured, like, by three-quarters of an inch, I would have had one extra 24-inch wide cabinet. It would have been a big mistake, but I dodged that bullet. So I got the, uh, I got the handle on there, and the, lo and behold, it works perfectly right up until you get the door about 10% of the way open, and now the handle gouges into the drywall over on the wall. I had this perfect plan in my mind, and when you look at it on paper, there it is, two dimensions, and it's clean and perfect. But the minute something changes, the minute something moves from the original two-dimensional plan, something I hadn't thought of doesn't quite work. Um, now, Lisa has different giftings and skills. She knows what colors go together well. She can do things. And so I kind of trust those things to her, and she trusts these things. Well, she trusted something to me, and I kind of failed on this. I realized then that I'd put holes in all these cabinets, and the way that the... 
And this was on the most expensive parts of the cabinets, the doors. You know, they're not like, they don't break the bank expensive, but they're the most expensive part, and now we've got to come up with a solution. Somehow, the plans I had were good. They got me close there, but not exactly perfect. I don't know if you ever do projects where you, um, I know some of you like to play around with quilts, and um, you, there's some pretty elaborate quilts out there, and there are patterns for those, or like some of you make dresses. Seth, you probably make a lot of dresses. I've seen how your children dress. <laughs> and so when, when you put together the pieces of a dress, uh, why am I talking about this? I completely don't know what I'm talking about. They, but, but, but I've seen them laying out on the table with a pattern on the top, and there are these odd shapes. And when I look at those shapes, I think there is no way that's going to become a dress. The problem is I think two-dimensionally. I think in, but, but a dress goes on a three-dimensional person with curves, and they move. It's never quite good enough for me. I have to see it to comprehend it. So when the pieces all go together and they're hanging on an actual living person, oh, I get it, now I get it. It makes, just, makes good sense. When, um, when you are, if you're ever at the place where you're going to build a house and you decide to hire an architect, you can pay a certain amount and they'll draw you wonderful drawings and it'll be a beautiful house. But if you really want to spend money, you say to the architect, hey, I'd like a 3D model of my house. Now, virtually nobody does that because it costs a lot of money. But sometimes you see it in business where they build a three-dimensional model. Now, a three-dimensional model is wonderful because if you've got to get a lot of people to understand what the final product's going to look like, a three-dimensional model is wonderful. I've been in one or two projects where we've done that. And when you need buy-in from a lot of people and they've got to be able to see it with their mind, people have differing abilities to see things when it's two-dimensional. They have, different, different, they have even different abilities to see things when it's just being discussed and there's not even drawings. So a 3D model is really a, is a leap forward in helping people to understand why things uh, look the way they do. The problem is that they're expensive. Three-dimensional models are very expensive, or everybody would do it. Now, um, I look at the model that the Lord has given me for character. Got one of those? I got lots of these. And it's a wonderful three-dimensional detailed. I mean, I worked on, I've worked on building programs before, bu- large building projects, and this is about what they look like. There are page after page after page of details about how things go together, what they should be made out of, what they're going to look like, how they're going to be used, etc., etc. What's going to give them strength? What's going to be their weaknesses? And it's a wonderful plan. And if your capabilities are exceedingly wonderful, you can get a great idea just from reading the Old Testament, for example, to find out what character looks like. You can. You can get a great example. But I got some news for you. I got some good news for you. The Lord knew this about us. He knew our weaknesses. And instead of just giving us a two-dimensional model of what character looked like, he gave us a living, breathing, Seahawks rooting for (laughs) three-dimensional model. Jesus does not root for the Seahawks. Sorry, just I shouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> but, but God, the Heavenly Father, gave us a three-dimensional model mm-hmm. of what character ought to look like. He walked like you and I walk. He talks like you and I talk. He loves, he hurts, he's experienced, and he's three-dimensional. 
and he's a great example and a model of what character ought to be. Now, I look at the Old Testament and, you know, you and I can read through there and see all of these places where those living in the Old Testament were trying to live out the model that they had been given. But there's all kinds of weaknesses that crop up there. You know, the people tried to follow it and all along the way they came up with all of these methods they were going to use and somehow those methods became rules and guidelines. So they, they turned into all of these religious practices. Here's how this, this translates to today. You see people who feel that God cares about those traditions and practices more than the relationship. And what they do is they've got this list of things that they do and a list of things that they don't do. And some of those are all scripturally based and some of those just seem to be good judgments and assessments about what scripture says. And they make all of these rules about how they're to live. And if they can do all these things on the checklist, they're in good shape with God. Here's the problem. Those requirements turn into this list and the, and the standard becomes perfection. It becomes this list that's unattainable for everybody except for one person, and we'll come back to that one person. But it's unattainable for you and me. There's this list of requirements. If I have to go by what the Old Testament says character is, I have this insurmountable list of things. I can never get there from here. The problem is that in our culture, that's what the world thinks God is. They think he's a list of do this, don't do that because of the Ten Commandments. They think that that's what God is all about. And so here's what happens. People that look that way and think that way, they look in at the church from the outside. They look in at you and me. They think we're nuts. They think we're hypocrites because they know that we have the very same challenges to face all of those, 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 those items on that list that they have. And they know that we have the same kind of failures that they have. And they don't understand how we, in our minds, can say, how can you be right with God because you're just as messed up as I am? No, I'm not telling you that you're as messed up as I am. I'm just telling you you're as messed up as the people looking at you are messed up. <laughs> you got to get me, huh? You got, you, you. Okay. So the heartbreaking thing is that many people, before they even get started in a relationship with God, they just stop right there. They look at the church and they go, well, I, I, first off, I can't keep this list of rules. They're not keeping it anyway. Why should I even get invested in that? And then they turn their hearts, they, their hearts kind of close down before God. And the problem, the heartbreaking part about that is they've completely misunderstood the heart of God. But instead of just a 2D model of what character is, God gives us this 3D plan. Um, Romans 8, 28 and 29 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those that, who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now listen, I'm not going to go off on the rabbit trail of Calvinism, Arminianism, and whether or not you have been predestined. I don't care about that for, for now. I'm just going to point out to you that, that for, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He, people he knew he would have relationship with, his plan in advance was that we would become conformed to the image of his son. There it is. There's our 3D model. To be conformed, not externally, not to look like Jesus, because some of you would look really, frankly, weird in a beard, right? <laughs> but internally, if God wants you to look like something, he's not going to send you to a list. He's going to send you to a person. 
He's going to send you a person. He's going to send you to a person. He's going to send you to his son, Jesus Christ. And he, and he looks at you and me and he says, I want you to love like him. I want you to be patient like him. I want you to be gentle like him. I want you to be long-suffering like him. I want you to be in all of those qualities of character. He wants you to be just like Jesus. So we take a look at that and we say, okay, off comes my tool belt. <laughs> I thought you just wanted me, when, we, when you bring up character, God, I just thought you wanted me to become better than I am. I thought, God, what you were asking for was for me to become a better version of Terry. I, I didn't realize you wanted me to, be, to look like that guy, to look like Jesus. Maybe some little incremental, I'll change a little bit and I'll get a little bit better. That's what I thought I was signing up for. But if you want me to look like him, I don't even want to get started because how am I going to possibly do that? Can't possibly get there. You know, um, 25 years ago or so ago, a long time ago, I'm, when I was up at Living Water and, and they were a couple of buildings ago, and um, I was managing this huge new building that we were building, the one that has their sanctuary in it now. And um, I kind of took advantage of my position there because they would come on, these workers would come on the campus and they would bring all these wonderful yellow toys, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, you know, I said basically to every, every one of these subcontractors that come on the project, I said, you know, one rule is that if you bring equipment on the, you have to let me try it. <laughs> and... You know, I got to drive a D8. But anyway, so, and I don't know if you know what that means. That's a bulldozer big enough that if it dropped the blade, you could just shove this building. Anyway, it was a really cool machine. Little boy heaven, it was terrific. But there was one machine that, um, that they let me play. I played with a little bit more than that. They, they had a backhoe and had a front loader on it. And, and there was huge piles of pea gravel that they needed moved around for different things. <laughs> so, so I got in there and I picked up the loads and I went over and I dumped it over here and I thought I was making such a contribution and they were just kind of keeping me out of their hair. And I didn't do any damage. <laughs> but if they said to me, here you go, Terry, here's the plans, two-dimensional, build the building. Now, I would have had fun for a couple of days or I would have had fun for a while until they made me stop probably. But there's no way that I could have built that building. I would have to look at them and say, hey, you know what? Thanks for letting me play with the yellow toys. They're a lot of fun, but um, I can't build this building. And they said to me, no, no, no. Take all the time you need, Terry. You can take as long as you want to build this building. Take all the time you want. I would say, uh, you know what? It doesn't matter whether you give me a month or a year or a decade. I can't build this building. Well, Maybe you should commit yourself a little bit harder. Okay, well, it wouldn't matter how hard I decided to be committed to build that building. It wasn't an issue. It's not an issue of how much time I have, and it's not an issue of how committed I choose to be. Because I could be as committed as I could possibly be to something. And it comes down to it, I lack the competence, the competence to build the building. It's not an issue of time. It's not an issue of commitment. I lack the basic capability to build a building. You know, our character is growing when on the inside we start to become all that stuff that we want to become. Love, patience, so forth. And as Christians, we have this tendency to think that if you just give me enough time and if I can just muster up enough force of will I'll become better in this area of my life. It's what we say. 
okay, Pastor Terry is now going to start this series on character, so God guess this is what God wants to do, so here's these three things that I know I should be more patient, I should kick my dog less, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay. Um, so I'm going to, over time, focus more on this kind of stuff, and I'll have better character. That's our plan. That's what we tend to do. We tend to, we're willing. We, we, we're, it's not that we're not willing. We're, we're going to try and do those things. And we look at all of that. The truth is that when we turn instead of looking at making me, building a better Terry, if we turn and say, okay, the, the point is not to become a better Terry, but to become like Jesus. Well, I look at that and go, oh, I don't think it matters how long I'm committed. It doesn't matter how much time, how much I have. I can't do that. I just can't, I can't get there. So, all the way to the other end of the spectrum we go, and we say, Lisa, this is just how I am. You're just going to have to accept me the way I am. Now, don't smile like you've heard that before. (laughs) She's just smiling at me because she loves me. This is not a message that she's sending. So this is just the way I am. You're just going to have to accept me. But the thing is, <laughs> we don't allow anybody else around us to tell us that. We wouldn't accept it from anybody. Can you imagine if we accepted that from our children? Well, Dad, I'm just a food thrower, so I'm going to be throwing food. <laughs> you parents, you let your kids tell you that. I'm sorry, it's just the way I am, Mom. I'm just going to be a food thrower. <laughs> Lisa and I did that one time. We decided that we wanted to have some fun with our kids and, and didn't... Um, this is a complete rabbit trail, but I, it was a lot of fun. But um, we decided to have some fun with our kids, so we had a sit-down sit dinner planned, and we both snuck some marshmallows. And partway through di- dinner, we had this, th- we intentionally started to disagree about something. And as the disagreement became more intense, pretty soon out came the marshmallows, and this snowball fight at the table started up. It's a lot of fun. You should try it with your kids sometime because pretty soon they got into it. But you have to plan for a food fight like that. Um, it has to be intentional. has nothing to do with the message, by the way. It's just part of who I am, so you might as well know about it. Or if you're a boss and your employees say, well, hey, I'm a night person. I'm not an early riser. I'll be here when I get here. You just have to live with me. That's the way I am. Or your spouse says, well, I'm a spender. You're just going to have to make more money because I don't know how not to... I mean, if we say to people, this is just the way I am and you have to accept me, you realize that we don't accept that from anybody else around us, nor does our Heavenly Father accept it from you and me. So like I said before, I want you to know right now, today's message is not going to be this, um, here's the list of things you need to do and be. It's not going to be that at all. Instead, it's going to be something a little different, how we develop character, because I don't want you all trying to figure out how to build a better version of Terry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not the point. I'm, the, the, this, this is the, if, if, if you don't hear anything else today, which I hope you hear other things, but this is the part that I want you to cap, capture. The character of Christ is not something that you manufacture. It's something that is produced through us. The character of Christ is not something that you manufacture. It's something that's produced through us. And here's the thing. God has given us a mechanism, the very means to experience the character of Jesus' life. Um, So our text today is John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If a man remains or abides, some translations say, in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That word remains or abides, it's pretty straightforward. It, it, it's, it's, it means remains or abides. It means move in with, to stay. It's a very, very highly relational word though. It, remain, it, it means stay close to is what it really truly means. He's not asking us in the scripture for you to manufacture anything of character. Do you see what he's asking you to do in this? He's only asking you to hang out close. And he says, he's the vine, we are the branches. Our sole role is to draw life. All of the fluids and all of the, the nourishment and all of that sustains us and all that gives us the hope to do anything downstream from us comes from him. That's all he asks us to do. Stay connected to the vine. And as we learn to do that abiding, that remaining, someday you know, you'll look out and out there on the end of your hand you'll see patience that wasn't there before. It'll just blossom. You'll have this fruit, this character that was stronger than it used to be. And you'll go, wow, I didn't know I could do that. And the Holy Spirit will nudge you and say, you can't. You didn't do that. I did that through you. I did that through you. He's not asking you and me to imitate Jesus. This scripture is not asking you to learn how to be a vine. He's asking you as a branch to abide. He wants you to learn to abide so that he can live his life through you, so that he can live out his character through you. Let's back up. I gave you verse 5. Let's back up and read a little bit more of that. Back in John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. There's a picture. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. By the way, I think the words used there for cuts off are unfortunate. Depending on the translation, but if you look it up, it basically can properly be translated lifts up. He lifts up every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This issue of lifting up, you know, if you were a, um, a, um, a grape grower for wine, you wouldn't, there's basically a couple of reasons why branches bear, don't bear fruit. They've grown somewhere into the middle of the plant and there's no sunlight there or they've grown down into the earth. Either way, they need to be lifted up out into a place where they can capture sun, sunshine, where they can capture light, and they then produce fruit. That's, that's what the picture here is, that the Lord lifts up. He lifts up a branch that's not bearing fruit because he has an intention for you. He, and that's not to cut you off. It's to cause you to bear fruit. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain, abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up. Okay, so the, this, this, whole, this whole subject has to do with us staying close, staying tuck, tucked in nice and close to the Lord. I'm going to give you um, three easy, practical things you can do. That you can do. And then we're done. So first I want to talk to you about, um, now I'm not, this is not a list of character things that, you know, don't be, I'm not going to tell you to be more integrity. 
First, one, first thing is think and act relationally, not religiously. Relationally. So when you have a problem, you don't start thinking, oh, there's a God out there somewhere and I'm down here doing the items on his task list. You don't think, what are the tasks you're supposed to be doing? Instead, you think, I'm just going to get really close to the Lord. That's why this word touched me today. That's why Eric's song touched me. That's why the scripture that Ryan shared touched me because they all had to do with, that, with, with us just getting close to the Lord. I saw this thread here of the Holy Spirit really putting us together on point on this topic today. The Lord wants us close to him. That's the solution to character. It's not how many items you can put notches in your belt. So think and act relationally, not religiously. And now this is an opinion. And if I stand up here um, and I have an opinion, I will tell you that as opposed to something that I'm going to make doctrinal case for. I believe I can make a case for this, but I'm just, I don't want to do the work today, so I'm just going to share it as an opinion. <laughs> I really think that God hates the things that relationally put distance between us and him, especially when they happen in the body of Christ, especially when they happen in the church. Now, I, I need to be very careful about that because um, that, that is not an assault upon churches that have liturgy. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with traditions that teach, that teach relationship with the Lord. And so I'm not going to stand up here and take swipes at the Catholic church or other churches or even this church because there are, there are some ordinances, religious things that the word tells us to do. There's actually only three. I don't know if you know that. I don't want to go too far down this side track, but baptism, communion, and marriage are the three ordinances that are described in the New Testament that we're to do. Nevertheless, there are churches that do a lot of things. And you can probably think about it if you've been in other churches. Some of those are okay to do. The point is that when you come to a place and... Um, I just really want to be careful and tender about this. And when you come into a church and you look up in front and there's a guy up there like this and you see him wearing vestment robes and um, standing in a place that the common man is not allowed to stand and do all of those kinds of things, you start seeing these separations between the people in the church and the representative of God. You start seeing a violation, I think, of the scripture that a young life quoted to us today. But more than that, you start seeing this distance between us and the living God. It's never his desire to do that. I think God hates that kind of stuff. I think it's good for people like me to be mindful of the example we set. So I had a bath. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I had a shower. I'm not a bath person. Even though last night was Saturday night, bath night at my house, um, I... Uh, <laughs> Lisa had a bath on Saturday night. Um, never mind. <laughs> I, I, I can't go anywhere but into more trouble on this, so we're just going to move on. You know, I think it's appropriate for a guy like me to dress respectfully when I stand in the pulpit. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to see me at times, at times up here without a sports coat. I'm not trying to wear a sports coat to impress you 
or to change the standard of the church or to somehow separate myself from you. It's just like it's cold outside today and a, and a, and a, and a shirt might not be enough, but also out of respect of you and of the Lord. But there's no desire to make any difference. There's no desire to make any separation. I think God hates that kind of stuff. And that's long enough on that rabbit trail. Okay, think and act relate, relationally, not religiously. Two, focus on proximity, not progress. Sometimes I think it's bad when our way of thinking is, well, what would Jesus do? Nothing wrong with the wristbands. I think it's really good. It's really good to get people's focus. But, but when our thinking is that we have to always do it like Jesus does it, I think that's secondary. I think that's secondary. Make your focus instead getting just close to the Lord. Focus getting up next to the king. I promise you, if you're there with him, you'll be doing things like he does. You'll be bearing fruit like he bears. You'll be thinking like he thinks, acting like walking, talking, you know, that thing if it walks and talks like a duck. Never mind. <laughs> Number three, adopt an attitude that says, I can't, but he can through me. I can't seem to be patient like I ought to be, but he can through me. I can't seem to... Um, Put others first, but he can through me. I can't seem to fill in the blank, the temptation. I can't seem to overcome this temptation at the office, but he can through me. Adopt an, an attitude that says, I can't, but you can. I can't, but he can. Now, I'm not trying to make you go out of here feeling like you're worthless and you're not capable of anything, but the minute you start resting upon your capabilities, you're not resting in his. And that's where, and when you say that, when you say that, you know, there, here's, a, here's another, I'm going to leave you with another simple prayer today. I can't deal with blank. So Lord, I invite you to deal with it through me. When you pray that prayer, your itty bitty faith turns into this powerful creator of the universe, lover of your soul, who will go to work to honor that prayer because you're praying exactly in his will. Exactly in his will. You know, um, new Christians, when they get saved, um, I want to invite whoever's going to be able to do that. When new Christians get saved, you see them behaving with faith and you see things going on in their life that... Um, <laughs> that they don't plan out. All of a sudden, their faith is at work, and you see them somehow making a difference in people's life. And, and I want to remind you about the way you and I thought at the time when we first got saved. We weren't trying to figure out how to do it. We weren't trying to figure out how to, pre, to lead somebody in the four spiritual laws. We weren't doing all, any of those kinds of things. Instead, we were thinking about how to get closer to Jesus. And he did the work, and that's where the fruit is. When you and I decide that what we're going to try and do is imitate Jesus, we'll get some results, but they're only going to be marginal and they're only going to be temporary. I invite you and I encourage you just to saddle up close and get proximity to the king. Let's pray. Lord, I can't, but you can through me. Simple prayer. 
And God, this is not some attempt to relieve us of the responsibility to grow in our character because there's a lot that has to, has to be chosen within our hearts to position ourselves to be there. But God, I pray that you would begin to work the process in our hearts and in our lives where our faith, our itty-bitty faith would be put into the hands of the king and that God, we declare to you over these issues of our lives that you would shape us in, that we can't, but you can. Lord, I, I want to just pause for a moment too, considering um, people that are here today who maybe, maybe have marginalized what it is that you do in their lives. I pray, Lord, over a visit today upon soul, upon souls, God, who just need to hear the voice of their king, to believe that you would really want to be close to us because you look and you see. You see it. You've seen our failures. You've seen our shortcomings. You've seen our, our stinky attitudes. You've seen those things. But God, I, I just ask now for a divine and a supernatural visit that would witness to the hearts of sons and daughters something of an invitation of your spirit that would just visit places that maybe have been a little bit dry and parched for long seasons. I pray, Lord, not that the words that I'm saying now would somehow persuade an intellect, but instead that your spirit might communicate with hearts and that something supernatural would happen of, of, of unity between you and your kids. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name.